Hello and welcome to Stride and Saunter, episode 15. My name is Hector Marrero. And I'm Kip Clark. Today, our topic, first performances. So as some of our listeners may know, I am in the a cappella group, uh, the Coco Singers. And I'm a member of the improv group here at Canyon, the Fools on the Hill. And Kip and I thought it would be a good idea to describe the preparation for our first performances of the year yeah i also just want to be completely candid and admit that i was really curious to know what it's like for the cokes to prepare because i know with the fools we have a lot of specific things that we go through and i thought it'd be fascinating to hear and kind of compare what another group obviously a musical group compared to a comedy group goes through so part of this is my persistent and perhaps annoying curiosity about other people but it was a topic i thought would be really cool well i guess i'll start off with a question do you guys have a tech week before your first performance? That's a good question. We don't. To explain to, let's say, listeners who aren't Kenyan students or don't know a lot about our first show, The Fools usually do more long-form improv where we just get one prompt and we go with it for an entire show. But for the Parents Weekend show this past weekend, what The Fools do is we do a show of games. So it's less focused on specific scenes and character development and more on the gimmick of a game. So yeah, in the week beforehand, We will usually practice four or five times instead of the usual three, and uh, we'll run through the games, make sure the order's the way we want it, and we'll also add introductions to things. Usually when we are practicing for ourselves, we're just looking at the games, making sure they're polished, they run smoothly, and also for time's sake that everything fits within like a 45 or so minute time frame because it's parents weekend and we know that people don't have a ton of time to sit around. So yeah, I guess you could call it our tech week. We practice introductions to explain the games to people who haven't seen the games before. Could you explain or describe some of these games? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess I'll describe some of the ones I was in because I know those well. There are, of course, others. But uh, the first one and the one that actually opened the show is called Interrogation. And it was for myself, a sophomore named Ben, who's in the group, and Hannah, who's also a junior like myself. So in the game, Hannah goes outside and Ben and I talk to the audience and say, okay, Hannah's a criminal. She's just committed a crime that's not a real crime. Ben and I, as police officers, are going to interrogate her to try and find out what she did and tell her effectively through our hints. So what we need from you, audience, is what Hannah did, what that fake crime was, where she did it, and what she did it with. What was the object she used for this crime? So in the actual show, the crime that was decided was that Hannah was a vampire. She had sucked someone's blood. She had done this at the World Cup, and she had done it with a bendy straw. And so Hannah comes in, and in the game, we greet her and we you know, do either like a good cop, bad cop routine or do something to distinguish ourselves from her, and we give her hints. And so one of the first things I said was, yeah, just sit in the chair, young lady. We, like, we want to be done by Twilight, which is, of course, a reference to the famous vampire novels. And so pretty quickly, we, we taught her you know, what her crime was, and she sort of exchanged with banter you know, between myself, Ben, and her. And so the ending is when she finds out what she did, exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's funny for the audience, not because we're really clever or because it's great improv, but because they know what she did. And so it's funny for them to sort of watch her try and figure it out. And it's also funny for us, too, and I really enjoy it. So that's one of our games. Another one of the games that I was in was called In and Out. It's a very simple game. All we ask for the audience 
is some kind of a prompt. Sometimes it's a relationship between the actors. Sometimes it's a place. Sometimes it's just a word like confusion, and we have to make something out of that. And so in In and Out, very simple. There are three actors. It was myself, Hale, who's also a junior, and Mike, who's a senior, and only two of us can be on at a time. And so in the show, we were given the prompt of space, and so we were in outer space. That was our location. And we always have practiced with Hale and Mike being on stage, and I was the person who came on stage, and you can only have two people on at once. And so in space, they had some kind of a relationship in the show. They were dating, and I was the person they picked up from Pluto, and I was apparently very bitter and angry. And So in the show, Mike chose a reason to leave his scene with Hale, and he walks off, and Hale was left on stage. I came on and talked to her. She left at one point, and then I talked to Mike. And so it's interesting to see sort of tensions develop between characters on stage and the character off stage and maybe there's you know a rumor going around and that character who comes back on stage might choose to validate that rumor so that's a very interesting game and then the final game I was in is potentially the most complicated one and at times not my favorite but it can be interesting it's called film noir and in it we pretend that we are in a film noir and so it was for myself Mike who I already said was a senior and Joseph who's a junior and so what we ask the audience for is the name of a film noir film that never existed. So I'm not sure what our prompt was from the audience, but it ended up being a scene about Mike, who is a detective, and that's a classic trope that we run with. And in film noir, you give monologues to the audience that only your character can hear. And so Mike, as a detective, explained who he was to the audience. And then Joseph, who was pretending to be a woman in like the 50s or whenever this movie was set, came on and told Mike about a problem that she was actually in love with this really boring tax lawyer, and that was me. And so the next scene involved me meeting Mike, and he came to my car and held me up at gunpoint, and I had to show him a cache where I'd hidden all this stuff. And so, uh, yeah, it was it was a weird scene. And I, I think a lot of my monologues were too self-aware. I think I was sort of talking to the audience about the game instead of talking to an imaginary film audience about my character. And so I... I don't think I pulled it off super well. It's always the most complicated game in practice. Usually it takes like nine minutes if we're not paying attention, and it, it drags. So I think it's a particularly challenging game. I think I'd like to try it in the future, but it's a rough one because you have to give good monologues that are succinct and maybe funny, but tell the audience something that makes them aware of something in your world that other characters might not be. And so I think we did a good job on the show. I'm always a bit self-critical of my own performance, but... Yeah, so those are some of the games. There are definitely some more interesting ones that maybe we will touch upon later. But I know you have a tech week, and I know that it can be a bit stressful for Cokes during tech week, and we'll get to that. But first, I want to talk about leading up to that. So after auditions, which we might someday talk about in the future, you've got the, the new group of, I think it's the 14 guys this year? Yeah, that's right. It's huge this year. So so leading up after auditions, walk me through that process. What happens once you've gotten the group and you decide, obviously, who's in? How do you start preparing for the first show? Yeah, fantastic question. Well, we, we all get together as a group one day and we meet in a seminar room and we each bring in a certain number of songs. Seniors bring in five songs, juniors four, sophomores and freshmen three. 
And so we listen to every single one of these songs and we try to skip forward. So if we there, you know, the verses repeat or if rather if the choruses repeat, we want to hear the bridge. We want to hear every single part of the song. And then we do a simple vote of yes or no. Do we want to sing this or do we not? By the end of practice or by the end of that day, this is early September usually, we have rounded out from about 60 or so songs. We've come up with a number maybe like around 20 to 30. Is the voting process ever contentious this year, for example? Did you find that people were like really, really adamant about some songs or were there any disagreements that were difficult to resolve? How does that usually play out? Oh, absolutely. That's probably one, if not the most tension-filled time because everybody wants to get, you know, one of their songs and everybody thinks, oh, this song is sexy. Oh, this song is, it's got some jazz in it. Or this song, you know, is something we've never done before. Everybody has a reason. But at the end of a lot of, you know, bickering and conversation and argument, we, for the most part, happily come up to a conclusion and we pick a set of around 10, 12 songs. And then week by week, we start memorizing these pieces. We will practice probably one to two songs a week, usually two to three songs a week. By week three, we have almost, if not all, the songs printed out and arranged already. And so then it becomes a matter of, you know, memorization. So when you talk about arranging, are there certain cooks that are responsible for arrangement? Have you ever arranged any songs? Is it spread out more among the older members? How does that process go? Yeah, I mean, really, uh, so at the end of the day where we all pick our songs, some people stay in um, at the end of that meeting. And the people who stay are those who desire to arrange or desire to learn how to arrange. I have a lot of difficulty arranging myself because I don't play piano or guitar. I'm not that great at finding notes or finding chords. Some people can hear a chord and more or less very quickly discern what notes are in the chord and they can, you know, arrange something very quickly and something that is unique. And, you know, by unique, I mean something that really sounds different from the source material. That's usually the goal is to create a... We're, we're getting this music from other musicians, but we want to try to make it unique and try to make it ours or as much ours as possible. So a lot of our older songs, there are a lot of, you know, standards, jazz standards, doo-woppy songs. We do a lot of Beatles. One of the newer Beatles songs we did or the one that we did for this past concert and opened with was Magical Mystery Tour, which is a lot of fun to sing. Another funny thing is that I begin to forget what the songs sound like. I like to look at the source material again. Um, and in fact, we'll usually make a playlist and hand it out to the entire group to listen to it as we're practicing the whole set because it's good to remember what this, the original song sounds like. And so we build off of that. Yeah, I think that's really cool. Sorry to interrupt. I just no, not at all. I think, especially when you're deconstructing something like an acapella, and I don't say that condescendingly, I think you break the songs down, at least to my understanding, into their simplest components and, and purify that and, and distribute that evenly among each of the members and then that's why it sounds the way it does it sounds so crisp i wish that you as a coke could hear what it sounds like to be an audience member and i say this honestly not because we're obviously working together on this podcast but i really enjoy those concerts and i think it's so interesting to see how a song you know all these parts came together originally when that artist came up with the song and wrote it and performed it then it's deconstructed into parts and then again reconstructed by you guys i think it's really interesting so i think it's really wise of you to go back to the source material and try and distribute that because it's this active you know combination and recombination is just really fascinating but so you talk about arrangement arrangement happens and then process continues, of course. I'm just going to stick to that for a second because I do think it is such an incredible process that we have that 
the minds in the group are able to grab this source material and so quickly turn it over into parts that are singable and sound nice and you know the layers of our voices or layers of voices it's really awesome so when you talk about the minds of the group then i think a big thing and i'll touch upon this too as long as you remind me there are obviously new members of the group guys that have just joined what do you think their process is like or if you can't get in their heads do you remember what it was like to be a newbie and how did you acclimate how do you think these newbies have acclimated during that process obviously you're sort of under a lot of pressure to learn these songs for your first performance do you think the mind quickly adapts to learning the music you talk about how happy you are that your minds sort of meld together and work and collaborate and that's why you're able to perform this way but do you think at least for the newbies that process is complex or unfamiliar are most of the newbies kids that have been singing before i'm just curious to know what what your newbies might feel in this period of time yeah i mean every newbie is different i'm a big fan of our newbies this year but i don't know what's going on in their heads i really don't know what they're thinking i hope they're having fun the whole group dynamic is pretty open and you know silly as we practice i mean we we are very rigid in our practice times but at the same time we do allow for a certain amount of silliness and goofing around as we're practicing around the piano as for memorization's sake i mean every newbie has their own part and so you will have the older cooks come and basically sing along with them and so when we're practicing these songs for the first time we're doing it in parts so tenors are all together baritones are all together basses are all together um and usually we plunk it out on the piano little by little we'll do it part for part you know we'll do two bars and then we'll do another two bars and little by little we'll construct the entire song so i don't think it's difficult most of our newbies have sung before if they haven't sung before they've had musical experience before i think the only coke in recent memory that i can think of who didn't sing before cokes was noah weinman or is noah weinman who's a junior right now and one of our music directors he was only a trumpet player and i think also a guitarist but now he sings as well and you know he he had a good ear and he was able to he just had an innate ability uh newbies do have duties though and i I know you haven't asked this but there are newbie duties for example posters that have to be put up are originally and always a newbie duty and um, there are actually little things that they have to do throughout even after our first concert they have some duties on tour so to our listeners we have a tour every january where we go usually on the east coast and we sing in everywhere from maine to washington or delaware and then go back to gambier but yeah newbies have duties all the way through until the next class is selected one year later which i think is pretty cool but i guess you know going back to our tech week it gets really hectic our hours you know stretch usually we have an hour practice every day tech week those practices stretch out to two to three hours every day Sometimes we'll be there at 12 or 1 o'clock in the morning still practicing. And the idea there is to really get these songs so down pat that we are not looking at the music that we are completely memorized and that we are also all looking at each other and we are completely looking at the same goal and we're all together. And I guess, you know, in looking back, I was looking at the videos. Um, I have the footage for the videos that I still have to put up on YouTube. One thing that we don't even pay attention to, but I saw in the video that blew my mind was how our hands coordinate when we're snapping, at least for the first song, our hands, like the 14 of us, were bouncing our hands at more or less the same exact speed, you know, up and snap, up and snap. And it's really kind of surreal to see that we are so together 
that we are, you know, mimicking our body movements and not even thinking about it. One thing, reason I like the group so much is that there is a magic in doing something, you know, singing, using your body as an instrument and performing together as a group to create one sound. I know that sounds really cheesy or corny, but I think I it's... I totally see what you're saying. I mean, I think it's, you know, it's one of those amazing things about being human. And it's one of those amazing things that comes with a package. It's that you have a voice and, you know, this is an instrument that is available to most people and I feel lucky enough to be able to use it with this specific group of guys yeah um, so that you know that's 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 more or less my experience with Tech Week going back for just a second on the day of the concert we warm up we get all our songs we make sure we know you know our set list we do the beginning of each song we make sure the speakers are working then we go to the green room drink some water wash up warm up some more and then we have some you know moments together as a group where we kind of we 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 get amped to perform um and then we sing a few few minutes later which i think is cool well to get to the newbie duties that you actually mentioned we also have duties for our newbies do you um yeah and it's mostly regarding posters there are a few other things i guess that we do that i'm probably forgetting right now but yeah, I remember joining in my freshman year, which seems so far away now, and putting together a very crudely photoshopped poster for the Fools on the Hill. And so I, I helped make that, or I made that image rather, and then other newbies helped me print them out and, and spread them around campus. And so since then, I've still held on to the photoshopping responsibility because I really enjoy that process of taking the pictures before every show and, and putting our faces on whatever before actually sending out that image on an email and uh, printing it. But uh, this year, I photoshopped the image, and then I sent it out, and uh, we taught the newbies how to make the poster, and so they, they made the poster on larger paper and printed out a ton of copies and shared them with us, and then we all put them up around campus to try and let people know. But yeah, I mean, it's very interesting. You talk about getting in sync. I think one of my favorite parts about preparing for the first show is that we're also getting to know these newbies in a, in a very personal way, I would argue, with comedy. You learn a lot about who a person is because you see on stage when they're playing a weird character what they think funny is. And so you, you, you see them. And even in more real scenes where they're playing, let's say, a really honest teacher, you see what they think an honest teacher looks like. Mm-hmm. And so in a very philosophical way, you learn a lot about the newbies when you do improv with them and I always enjoy that so much and you bond also on the walks home after practice but I will say in contrast to the Cokes you guys are practicing songs that at least to my knowledge you might later use on tour or maybe in you know future performances you might recall the arrangement and then use it again because you've practiced so much for us I almost feel like the first show of the year because it's games as opposed to long form improv I almost feel like we're traveling northeast when for the rest of the year we're going to be going north and we're not headed in the opposite direction. I don't think practicing the games is hindering us, but I think, and I think this is a shared sentiment with the rest of the group, that we know that long form, and that's the fun part of improv for most of us because it requires a bit more dedication and more skill, and it feels more rewarding. In the and end. more concentration, too. Yeah, yeah, because you have to remember character names and mm-hmm. plot lines. Yeah, and so it's more fun, typically, and so we think games are important because it is a good basic place to start but being at least slightly more advanced in improv and I say slightly because I'm no master nor I think are many of the members of the group anyone who's done that show before anyone who's been in the fools sort of feels like it's a step backwards to try and welcome in the new members for the game show and I don't think that it's it's a negative thing but we all are I think a little bit reluctant to go back to games when we really love long form 
but it's a necessary thing, and I think we all should grin and bear it. And in the end, the show goes very well. So I think first with you, you guys prepared a lot. I actually saw a lot of you during Tech Week, and it seemed like it was draining you, but I think that's a sign of passion and dedication. And I'm curious to know, because I don't think we do this enough for performers, and frankly, I wish people did this more instead of saying, hey, you had a great show. Ask the performer how they felt. I think they're obviously a key part of the performance itself, and I wish we did this more. So tell me, honestly, how you think this first show went. Were there any apprehensions? You obviously had your own solo, which I personally really enjoyed. It was obviously in another language for people that don't know, but tell me, and please be honest, how you felt this first show for the Cokes went. Yeah, and, you know, that is a great question. That is true. You know, it. there is, you know... I mean, nobody's gonna, nobody's going to perform and then say, "Ask me how I felt." But I think that is true. I think that the, it is a nice question. I think it could, you know, if the person asking is interested, uh, you know, it's a, a question worth asking. Yeah, I thought the concert went really well. I was really proud of the group. There are a lot of nerves that were, you know, running through my body. But overall, relative to how we sounded throughout the weekend, you know, we were getting tired and our voices were getting rougher as we kept singing over and over again the set. As we kept repeating the set over and over again, singing these songs and finding mistakes, I was really happy at the quality and, and the ability of our group to really muster up all this energy to give it the best that they uh, had. And, you know, everything was memorized. Everything was, for the most part, in tune. And we were all together. We were, you know, one thing I like to do at our concerts is, you know, smile at the other guys in the group. And, you know, it's very important to have that connection because I guess in improv, it's the same thing. You get so into it that you almost forget what you're doing. And so, you know, looking at somebody else performing with you kind of snaps you back into your own body and makes, you know, reinvigorates you and refuels you to say like, oh, I got to keep going, got to keep performing, got to, you know, keep singing well (laughs) and make sure that I'm conscious of everything that I'm doing. Luckily, this concert, I don't think anybody really went on autopilot, but do you ever feel like there is this feeling of like autopilotness that happens sometimes when you guys perform improv that, you know, especially with long form, you're saying, you know, you have to really be invested into it. Do you ever get um, the feeling that sometimes things are forgotten or that you guys are tired or I don't know, you can maybe tell me a story. Yeah, definitely. I think especially with myself, because I can speak with some authority on who I am, I notice myself getting really caught up in some scenes and forgetting the names of some characters, and it's crazy because in the real world, if, if you're talking with someone, hopefully you remember their name, otherwise it looks really awkward. There have been scenes like that that have happened where I forget, and so fortunately in improv you can say, well, hey, Susan, I didn't mean to do that earlier, and the person says, well, it's funny you called me that, Jack, because my name's actually Sarah, and the audience laughs at that because it's a correction, so there's ways to recover, but I totally notice myself go on autopilot, especially because I'm nervous during those shows. I'm always thinking about what's the audience noticing, what's going to get a laugh. And I think that's also a really dangerous thing is thinking about what the audience wants. But at least in our first performance, I don't think we did that. I think with games, you're usually pretty self-aware. The games are usually pretty short, like two or three minutes each, maybe up to five. But in that short span of time, I think it's hard to to zone out because Mm -hmm. we're not We're not all standing up there. We're switching out who's playing which game, and I think we did a good job of organizing that and arranging the order of games so that we wouldn't be standing up there for too long. And so I Mm -hmm. think we are all paying attention. And I think that there's a really fun part in watching the other fools perform because I got to sit down and watch the other games that I wasn't a participant in, and that was really fun and kind of kept me from going into autopilot. In later shows, maybe we'll talk about me going into autopilot in in future shows, but I think for this one, 
it was pretty good. It went very well. I was especially proud of our newbies. I think it's usually, to, in my opinion, it's their show. Obviously, the group is performing, but it's their first shot, and I think they killed it. I think the audience really enjoyed them. We were especially proud of them, and they did a really great job. I think especially when you talk about Noah you know, joining the Cokes and not previously singing, but playing musical instruments, some of our newbies, we have two newbies who are both freshmen, neither of them, at least to my knowledge, had a ton of acting experience or comedy experience. One of them hadn't really done anything in the theater at all, and so it was especially impressive to me that she, as well as the other newbie, really rose up to the challenge and just knocked it out of the park. It was really impressive to watch them go at it, and so much fun because you can see in the way they're acting how much they enjoy it. Mm -hmm. I think that's a huge part of like the first performance that hopefully all the stress of preparation eventually subsides with the knowledge that you're entertaining people. People are there to see you, they want you to do well, and there's a legitimate joy in it that I think is shared with the audience and I think really resonates in a solid performance with everyone in the room. And I think that happened, and as an audience member of your show, I also think that happened. It was really, really a blast to watch you guys, and I can't wait to see the videos when they're eventually up. But as we sort of wrap this episode up, I'm curious to our audience members, what kinds of groups are you involved with that might involve a lot of preparation for, let's say, a first game or first performance, or even plays that you're a part of? How do you feel like the, the weeks leading up to that inform the performance in the long run? And, uh, you know, what kind of first performance experiences have you had? We'd be really curious to know what you think and how you felt about this show. And, of course, if you have any comments or opinions, please don't hesitate to leave them either on our site or any of our social media forums, such as Twitter or Facebook or our email account, strideandsaunter at gmail.com, or a review on iTunes, which we would also appreciate thoroughly. Please be honest. Let us know what you're thinking. And, uh, yeah, it would be greatly appreciated. So as always, in closing, from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark signing off. And my name is Hector Morero. Make sure to get eight or nine hours of sleep every night.